0: Welcome to the Primary Ride Home for Monday, April 22nd, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, Seth Moulton is running, Warren proposes student debt relief for millions, a quick update on the stop and shop strike, Warren comes out in favor of impeachment, and Michael Bennett may be ready to run. Here's what you missed today on the campaign trail. Congressman Seth Moulton of Massachusetts went on Good Morning America this morning. In an interview with George Stephanopoulos, Moulton declared his candidacy for president. He said, quote, I'm here to tell you and to tell America that I'm running for president of the United States. And I'm running because I'm a patriot, because I believe in this country, and because I've never wanted to sit on the sidelines when it comes to serving it. That's why I joined the Marines. It's why I ran for Congress to try to prevent what I saw got us into Iraq from happening again. And it's why I'm running to take on the most divisive president in American history to bring this country back together. End quote. Then Stephanopoulos said that Moulton is the 19th patriot to enter this primary field. So what sets him apart? And Moulton replied, quote, First of all, I'm going to talk about patriotism, about security, about service. These are issues that for too long, Democrats have ceded to Republicans. And we've got to stop that. Because this is actually where Donald Trump is weakest. We've got to take him on on these issues, in these core values that make us strong. And that's what I'm going to do in this campaign. This is going to be a campaign anchored in service, in security, and in patriotism. End quote. Well, that's a very clear pitch. Moulton is a decorated Marine captain, having served four tours in Iraq. He is a long-standing critic of American policy in Iraq and even appeared in a documentary in 2007 to talk about that. He holds master's degrees in business and public policy which he got in 2011 after his military service, and that by the way makes a total of 3 degrees that he holds from Harvard. Moulton got his start in politics in 2013 running for Congress in Massachusetts. With the endorsement of Senator Elizabeth Warren, he won in 2014 and was reelected without an opponent in 2016. He then won in a landslide in 2018, facing a Republican opponent. Moulton is 40 years old, making him one of the... Oh, let me check my spreadsheet here and the numbers. He is one of nine Generation X candidates currently in the race. So, fun generational fact, in the current field, there are more candidates from Generation X than there are Baby Boomers. And as of today, you've got two from the silent generation. Those are Gravel and Sanders, and soon Biden will be the third. And then two millennials, Pete Buttigieg and Tulsi Gabbard. So just in the raw numbers, this is a very Gen X heavy field, followed by the seven boomers and then everybody else. All right, back to Moulton himself. Here's more from the write-up by ABC News. Quote, on Monday, Moulton sought to set himself apart from the ever-growing pack of Democratic candidates, many of whom have more Washington experience and star power, saying on Good Morning America, I'm not a socialist. I'm a Democrat. And I want to make that clear. Maybe that's a differentiator in this race. He used health care as an example, quoting Moulton here. I think I'm the only candidate who actually gets single-payer health care, he said, adding that he's on a single-payer plan himself through the Department of Veterans Affairs. And I'll tell you, it's not perfect, so if I'm elected, I'm not going to force you off your private health care plan. End of Moulton quote. He stands apart from many of his primary opponents, including Harris, Warren, Gillibrand, and Booker, who support Sanders' Medicare for All bill that would eventually replace the Affordable Care Act with a single-payer system. End quote. So, another fun fact about Moulton, he is technically the third person from Massachusetts who is running for president right now. You've got Warren, of course, but also Bill Weld, the Republican primary challenger to Trump, was governor of Massachusetts in the 90s. Alright, on the issues, Moulton is a fairly centrist Democrat with a record of bipartisanship in Congress. He is in favor of abortion rights. He wants to ban semi-automatic weapons. In 2016, he wrote in a New York Times editorial, quote, There's simply no reason for a civilian to own a military-style assault weapon. It's no different than why we outlaw civilian ownership of rockets and landmines, end quote. He's in favor of same-sex marriage. He's against impeaching the president, at least for now anyway. He is for legalizing marijuana. He is against interventionist wars. He wants to abolish the electoral college. And interestingly, he supports expanding nuclear energy. This is one of the areas I mentioned last week, where candidates are split on whether nuclear power generation is part of the plan for a clean energy future. So, Moulton, as far as I can tell, is set apart from the pack in two key ways. First is his support for private medical coverage, similar to Amy Klobuchar's position. They would rather beef up Obamacare than burn it down and replace it with Medicare for All. He's not alone in that position, but it is fairly unusual in this field. What is unique there is that he actually has plenty of experience getting his healthcare from the Veterans Affairs single-payer system, so he actually has first-hand experience with an American single-payer system, and he says it has downsides we should consider. Second is his long tenure in military service and his understanding of foreign policy from a boots-on-the-ground perspective. He is just one of four veterans in the field, assuming you count Mike Gravel, which I do, and Moulton has earned some medals in the process, although he doesn't like to talk about that. What he does talk about is modernizing the U.S. military, prioritizing cybersecurity, and building up autonomous weapons systems. So there you have it. Seth Moulton pushes the list of major candidates perilously close to 20, and he's announcing fairly late, but he is on board as of this morning, and we'll have to wait to see what happens. Today, Senator Elizabeth Warren released a new policy proposal. This one would eliminate student loan debt for roughly 42 million Americans. She also proposes free college tuition for two- and four-year public institutions, but we'll get into that free college thing in another show. For this segment, I do want to dig into how debt forgiveness would work and how Warren proposes to pay for it. So let's dig in. In a blog post on Medium announcing the plan, Warren wrote, quote, the enormous student debt burden weighing down our economy isn't the result of laziness or irresponsibility. It is the result of a government that has consistently put the interests of the wealthy and well connected over the interests of working families. The time for half measures is over. My broad cancellation plan is a real solution to our student debt crisis. It helps millions of families and removes a weight that's holding back our economy. End quote. That's her core rationale behind the plan but let's get into some of the math. What is she offering? Well, the headline news here is the plan itself would zero out up to $50,000 in student debt per person. Now, to qualify for that maximum amount, you'd have to make a household income of less than $100,000 a year. It applies to both federal and private loans, and canceled debt would not be taxed as income. If your household makes more than $100,000 a year, the amount of debt eliminated goes down progressively. For every $3 you earn over that $100,000, your personal debt forgiveness total falls by $1. Don't worry, I will break down that math in a second. After you hit $250,000 in total household income, there is no debt relief for you, and Warren notes that households earning $250,000 a year, a.k.a. a quarter million dollars, are, quote, the top 5%, end quote. So let me run one hypothetical scenario based on this plan. If you make $100,000 a year and you have, say, $30,000 in student debt, Under Warren's plan, that debt is gone. It is simply erased. The same would be true for your spouse if you're married. This is a per-person forgiveness cap. So let's say you're married and the two of you bring in $150,000 a year. You each have $30,000 in debt. The same would be true. Both you and your spouse would go from a total of $60,000 in student debt to zero. Having said that, if you and your spouse make $200,000 a year, you would each be left with precisely $13,333 of that original debt. Of course, this is based on a really specific set of numbers, and your mileage will vary based on the specifics of your debt and your income. You can run your own math on this, and I do encourage you to do that by checking the income from your 2018 taxes and looking at what you owe in student debt. You might also run this calculation for your kids, by the way. Okay, so now that we have the consumer side of the equation, how much would this plan cost the government? Well, the Warren campaign estimates that the combined cost of the debt forgiveness plan and her free college tuition plan lumped together would cost $1.25 trillion over the next decade. And that is, objectively, a ton of money. And remember, it is for both programs. Free college tuition plus student debt forgiveness lumped together. Okay, so how would she pay for it? Well, this goes back to another Warren policy we haven't yet covered on the show, which is her proposed annual wealth tax, which she calls the ultra-millionaire tax. This would give very wealthy Americans a 2% annual haircut on their assets above $50 million it would apply, obviously, to households with a net worth of more than $50 million. That is the top 0.1% and would apply to about 75,000 households in the U.S. And I want to get into those details in another show, but the point is that wealth tax should bring in about $2.75 trillion on its own. So Warren says take less than half of that new money, make college free, and wipe out student debt for 42 million Americans. That is the proposal. Let me read here from the end of the Bloomberg story with an eye-popping figure in the first sentence. Quote, Warren's policy would fully cancel loans in about three-quarters of households with student debt, according to an estimate provided to the campaign by Arizona State University assistant professor Rafael Sharon Chenier and Brandeis University law professor Thomas Shapiro. The proposal also aims to lower barriers to admission facing Black and Latino families to influential Democratic voting blocks. It calls for expanding Pell Grant funding for non-tuition costs and a fund to assist historically Black and minority-serving universities. Universities would be forbidden from considering criminal history or citizenship status when deciding whom to accept. End quote. By the way, this is not the first time Warren has approached the student debt issue. Indeed, the first bill she introduced as a senator proposed to limit the interest rate on federal subsidized student loans. That was back in 2013, and that bill is still sitting there. It was never brought to a vote.
1: Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. And just a quick
0: update on a story from last week. Workers at stop-and-shop stores across three states walked off the job for a total of 10 days and drew a series of primary candidates directly to the picket lines to support them. We saw Warren out there first, then Biden. Yeah, I know, he's not a candidate, but he's basically a candidate. And then Buttigieg on Friday, with Sanders also expressing support via Twitter. Over the weekend, the Boston Globe reported that the grocery store chain and the employees had reached a tentative deal. Workers returned to stores this morning. Reading from the Globe here, quote, The tentative three-year agreements between Stop and Shop and the five United Food and Commercial Workers Union locals, representing the workers, offers increased pay for all the workers, as well as continued health care coverage and retirement benefits, both sides said. The UFCW in its statement said the agreement also maintains time-and-a-half pay on Sundays for current members, end quote. Now the deal still needs to be ratified by the five unions involved, but that looks very very likely. The only bummer for me is we're not going to see any more candidates showing up on these particular picket lines, and I was kind of excited to see if we could get two or 3 in one day, but you know, maybe next strike. On Friday and into the weekend, Elizabeth Warren made waves by being the first 2020 primary candidate to say that President Trump should be impeached. Here's what she wrote on Twitter, and this is a multi-part tweet, so buckle up. Quote, The Mueller report lays out facts showing that a hostile foreign government attacked our 2016 election to help Donald Trump, and Donald Trump welcomed that help. Once elected, Donald Trump obstructed the investigation into that attack. Mueller put the next step in the hands of Congress, and here she quotes the report. Congress has authority to prohibit a president's corrupt use of his authority in order to protect the integrity of the administration of justice. Ending her quote here. The correct process for exercising that authority is impeachment. To ignore a president's repeated efforts to obstruct an investigation into his own disloyal behavior would inflict great and lasting damage on this country, and it would suggest that both the current and future presidents would be free to abuse their powers in similar ways. The severity of this misconduct demands that elected officials in both parties set aside political considerations and do their constitutional duty that means the House should initiate impeachment proceedings against the President of the United States. End quote. Yeah, so what was the reaction to that? Well, Trip Gabriel, who is covering the 2020 election for the New York Times, had a hot take that got a lot of attention on Twitter. Gabriel wrote, quote, most 2020 Democrats are shifting the focus off Trump to talk about health care, wage inequality, etc. If Warren is the nominee, the race will be a referendum on impeachment. End quote. And then this tweet was what we call ratioed, meaning that the ratio of responses compared to the number of likes and retweets was radically off-kilter, and generally that means that people are mad and they are replying, saying how wrong they think that the person is. The majority of responses that I read were some variant of what Andrew Rose Gregory wrote, quote, have you tried visiting her website? End quote. Now, what Gregory means there is that Warren has been actively spending all her time proposing specific policies around stuff like healthcare, wage inequality, and other stuff that have nothing to do with impeachment. Like, literally, if you go to her website, you will be overwhelmed by piles of policy. As Ed Kilgore wrote in New York Magazine, quote, Warren can draw upon the reserves of respect she has earned by running what is without much question the most substantive policy-heavy campaign in the 2020 cycles early going. Her posture on impeachment fits her better than it might a rival with a reputation for opportunism. End quote. And last item today, good health news for Colorado Senator Michael Bennett. At age 54, earlier this month, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. He underwent surgery last week to remove that cancer, and according to an NBC News report, the family says the surgery was successful and Bennett requires no further treatment. Now this, combined with earlier statements he has made to the press, means Bennett is very likely to announce a run soon. If you don't recognize Bennett's name, you may remember him from a clip on the Senate floor that went viral back in January. In the clip, Bennett criticized Ted Cruz, who had just spoken about how a government shutdown would affect first responders. At that time, Bennett said, quote, These crocodile tears that the senator from Texas is crying for the first responders are too hard for me to take. They're too hard for me to take. Because when the Senator from Texas shut this government down in 2013, my state was flooded. It was underwater. People were killed. People's houses were destroyed. Their small businesses were ruined forever. And because of the Senator from Texas, this government was shut down. end quote." The full video of Bennett's speech is the last link in the show notes, and I think you can imagine from that partial quote I just read, I think we'll be hearing a lot from this fella if and when he announces. That's it for another episode of The Primary Ride Home. I've been your host, Chris Higgins. You can find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Although none of the news today seems to reflect it, today is, of course, Earth Day. So I encourage you to get out there and get yourself some Earth. or okay, maybe some Sun. I will talk to you all tomorrow.